Welcome back to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. This is Jess. I am Mikey. Welcome to the season one finale. Cheers, Michael. Oh, yep. We did we did it. We got through That's the drinking part of the cheers. Yep. <laughs> we got through eight episodes. Um and we made it to the finale. And how are you feeling? How are you feeling about life, this podcast? Just Well, let's not talk about life. Yes. Yeah, it's bad because yeah the status of this country is real bad Mm -hmm. um but i love this show and it's fun to watch yeah so i was saying to mikey i so i've said a few times i've definitely seen this movie this movie this show a few times through but i had no memory of what happened in this particular episode i think because it's so infrequent that we watch shows one at a time anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, we tend to watch things in twos and threes. Well, that, and it's like, it's almost like that, uh, um, like, decision paralysis or whatever thing where, like, you know, when you have, like, 150 options of something, uh-huh. you can't make a decision. Like, I feel like you can't remember what happened because fucking everything happens. Uh-huh. Like, like so many like what would normally be a huge turning point of a show like seven of them happen in this episode yeah alone. yeah a lot goes on here um all right so let's kick it off with the log lady intro again if you don't own the discs you wouldn't have heard this um it's not available on any streaming platforms but um it is sort of a peek into dave lynch's mm-hmm. thoughts on the episode so we're gonna start there um okay it starts a drunken man walks in a way that is quite impossible for a sober man to imitate and vice versa. An evil man has a way, no matter how clever. To the trained eye, his way will show itself. Am I being too secretive? No. One can never answer questions at the wrong moment. Life, like music, has a rhythm. This particular song will end with three sharp sounds, like deathly drum beats. So yeah, yeah, no, no, no I got that part. I got that part. What? I know that was maybe the most literal David Twist. Lynch has ever been. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I will tell. And I said when we uh, when we were watching this, life like music has a rhythm is a beautiful sentence. Oh, I yeah. love that. Um, cool. So should we just jump in and uh, see what happens? I only took a couple notes. Oh, actually. When we get to it, what I'm going to need from you, mm. Michael, my husband, okay. I need you to explain to me what is going on with the sawmill, but you need to talk to me like I'm an idiot and a small, like a, a particularly dumb small child. Okay. I think I, this because is I, the most I think I've understood it I think in all of my viewings. I get it up into the point where Hank shows up and then I am lost. Yeah. I, okay, so let's we'll get there when we get there. Okay, we'll probably we'll talk it out together. I think get to a a resolution, but yeah, because um, so, it's it's legitimately a quadruple potentially quintuple cross. Yeah, it's like everybody gets played twice. Yeah, I feel like no, no, I don't know. Okay, we'll get there when we get there. So the end of the last episode um, was. Um, Maddie, who is played by the same actress as Laura Palmer, who's, playing her, who's playing her cousin, Laura, Laura Palmer's cousin, um, dresses up as Laura Palmer to lure Jacoby, Dr. Jacoby, out of his house so James and Donna can go sneak in. And see, do they suspect him of killing her, or just they suspect yeah. him of like, knowing something? Uh, uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> like, like, like it's, 
they suspect him uh, like they know he had the heart necklace Mm -hmm. how did he get it if he didn't you know have something to do with it so you know yes potentially he murdered her or he knows who did or he was involved in some way it's following a heavy clue in their eyes okay I think yeah so we start with Donna and James entering Jacoby's home. Uh, they ask... Which also is weird. Like, they, they also, they said... They told him to go to Sparkwood in 21, which mm-hmm. is the last place she was the seen alive by, by James, where she jumped off the bike. But he sees the gazebo, and so he doesn't go to Sparkwood in 21. He goes to the gazebo, which is where um, Maddie slash Laura is. Mm-hmm. I don't know... If they had, did they have something planned for Sparkwood in 21? Or was it just, that's an iconic enough location, send him there and then nobody will be there and he'll come home? Yeah, I mean. What was the plan there? My guess would be that it, I mean, I don't obviously know the layout of Twin Peaks that well, but it's probably far enough from his house that they can give themselves enough time. Sure. And that is a meaningful location because. Okay, yeah. Because it's not just like go to the double R or go to the, um, you know. Remote enough. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's not going to see anybody there probably. So they wouldn't send him to the bar. Anyway, that's. that's, Yeah. No, that makes sense. And also they're kids. Like they didn't necessarily sneak, you know, uh, think this whole thing through. And then Maddie just hangs back and is just like waiting for them by the gazebo. Um, I have a. (laughs) It drives me crazy in shows and movies when. People, when it's this exact scenario, somebody's out of the house for a indeterminate amount of time, and they sneak in to like get whatever they need to get, and they never seem like they're in a particular rush. Like to me, I'm like, he, you don't know how long he's going to be gone. He could be back any second, and they're just like meandering around looking yeah. at the umbrellas. Well, and there was like, I thought those umbrellas were a really cool like character insight. Like, I lo- and they're like, oh, it's weird. I thought it was man on the moon. Great. And like, this is where he met somebody. Yeah, so he has this little, oh, good, Daddy is burying her treat in our bed, probably. That's fun for us later. Um, those little uh, cocktail umbrellas mm-hmm. that he keeps, and he puts little tags on them and says where he where he got them, the date, and, mm-hmm. like, something that's Some, going on. Why it's a significant night. And they're like, ooh, that's so weird. I'm like, oh, I love that. Yeah. I think that's a great, like, memory, like keepsake mm-hmm. thing. Um, so Donna and James enter Jacoby's home. Which they- is also funny that, like... They look at, like, two of them and then give up on it. Yeah. Because if they're looking for information about something that happened, like, oh, maybe one of them says something about a significant night. In <laughs> the Lo- night I killed like, Laura Palmer. <laughs> yeah, ex- well, like, yeah, like, oh, the last time I saw Laura alive. Or sure. It could be anything. Like, if, like, those, each one of those is a, an event in time. Yeah. And if you're looking for information about a specific event in time, maybe look at That's all of them. That's a good start. Uh, although I would, I don't know. I would say that you would think there would be like reverse chronological order. So if the first one but they pick up, they're all just like loose in a box. Yeah, yeah. So that's they shuffle true. around sure. in there and stuff. Like it remind it reminds me of that like John Mulaney bit about the uh, <laughs> where he talks about uh, um, before DNA evidence when like a cop, oh. like a cop would go into a crime scene and like. They'd be like, oh, Mr. Officer, there's a pool of the killer's blood right over here. And he's like, gross. Now back to my hunch. Like, like it's just like, that's what it feels like. Oh, here's a huge potential clue. Mm, this guy's weird. I don't like this thing that he does. Let's yeah. keep moving. 
Um, and then Donna starts fucking with the um, controllers for the music. Mm-hmm. I just, it. I mean, I know they're kids, but I was just like, what are you doing? Why, why are you why touching would you press these that? things? Why would you press that? What, what did you think that was going to potentially do <laughs> that helps you? So, like, You're going to hit a button and it's going to be like a sign that comes down. It's like, <laughs> I, I call Laura it. Palmer in the following ways. <laughs> Uh, James turns it off. Donna finds a coconut that Laura mentioned in her tape, and it contains another tape and a half-heart necklace. Bobby watches James and Donna pull away. And we know that Bobby planted Coke? Correct. Coke in uh, in James' motorcycle. Correct. Which also, speaking of being bad at sneaking around, the loudest fucking motorcycle I've ever heard. They're like, hurry, we have to sneak away. <laughs> like, real good subtlety, guys, as usual. Uh, so Bobby watches him pull away, and he's like, see you later, James, or something to that extent. I don't know. I, it's kind of a Jack Nicholson impression I just did for some reason. <laughs> um, so Jacoby creeps around the bushes towards Maddie. So Jacoby makes his way over to the, um, what's it called? Gazebo. The gazebo, uh, where Maddie is hiding. Um, and, and not hiding, just waiting. Just, yeah, hanging out. Uh, so he creeps around wearing maybe the best fashion choice in this good. whole show. He's wearing a white turtleneck with a tie over it, and it's a stunning and look. And like a Hawaiian shirt over the top of oh, that. Oh, I mean, oh, he's always wearing garbage, but I've yeah, never seen that him. Good. Like, that's that's a really nice touch. I feel like the costume designer did that, and they were like, got it, nailed it, we're going home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we did it. Um, so a man in a balaclava and a trench coat beats him mercilessly. Jacoby cannot move or cry out and suffers a heart attack. Um, okay, next we cut to uh, back at One-Eyed Jacks. Um, it like sinks from his eye to yeah. the craps table. Oh yeah, so this I was dire- both written and directed by Mark Frost, which right. is this Frost's first directing? Uh, that's a good question. I don't rec- direct. I think so. Twin Peaks. Um, but so you were saying it seems like he's it, like it to... was just it was he. It's just a moment. It feels very film schooly. Like it feels very like, ooh, let's do something weird here. Yeah. Like the the zoom into his eye takes way too long. Like it's... then then the roulette table is just, it's, it's they're not even playing roulette, so mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter. Like you didn't need that. Like yeah. just cut that out. Cut to the new scene, especially um... since. That so much happens in this episode, and this intro part with all of them, with all the kids, the mm-hmm. uh, Donna, James, all them, and Maddie, it takes so long. Mm-hmm. I feel like this opening is just half the episode, and pointless. And like, really, yeah, you, this was quick stuff. Yeah. You, they find the tape, cool. They, or, or um, Jacoby gets attacked. You could have trimmed a lot out of that, and you could trim. 15 seconds out of that stupid eye transition. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was Mark Frost's only directorial uh, okay. effort in, in this show. Um, so we're, we're cut to the craps table where we still have Big Ed in the Big Ed wig. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who's lost another bet. Cooper wins again. Um, Jacques, Jacques thinks he's counting cards and probably is. Also, quick sidebar. Um, the glasses... <laughs> McLaughlin is wearing in this in this episode have come back in style again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they've come all the way full circle, and this is the first time I was like, "All right, he can I, get it in his glasses." I literally got an ad on Instagram or something like that recently for 
some glasses company is releasing Cary Grant glasses. Oh, really? Which are like the signature Cary Grant glasses that like you can buy this model of glasses or whatever. And I just thought it was funny. Um, But it's like, yeah, this whole, this sequence is he's very reminiscent of like a Cary Grant character. mm -hmm, Yeah. Um, So Cooper wins again. A woman, I loved this part. A woman. Oh, okay. Never mind. Uh, Owen walks over to Cooper, like whispers in his ear as in a way that I've never seen anybody do in real life, but always happens on shows. Cause it's like the whole like, and I'm going to approach your ear. Yeah. And it's like a lacy glove. Yeah. And, of course. Yeah. A lacy gloves. They never could have used cell phones like that. So I'm glad gloves are out of style. Um, so a woman whispers in his ear and Cooper's like, like she's clearly offering him mm-hmm. sex work or whatever. And he's like, Thank you for your offer, but no thank you. Just in, like in the way somebody's like, oh, do you want a shot? You know what? No, I'm good, but thank you. So, oh my God. Yeah. Such good courtesy here. Um, one more reason here. Cooper tips Jacques the poker chip that's missing a corner, which is a grand, right? Yeah. Um, and then asks him if he wants to get a drink. Um, I mean, it could be like it's a 1,000 chip that doesn't necessarily mean one-to-one ratio I feel like in, and it's canadian oh so it's like four dollars <laughs> so presumably it's not usd although all of the money is in usd so who knows i mean you're but, right like chips aren't always necessarily their right. dollar value but i feel like in casinos they usually like uh, when you I and mean, i play poker usually it means it, dep- it depends on hunch twinch the game <laughs> um it depends on the game because a lot of times they'll do that like you buy in for five thousand dollars or whatever in a poker game mm-hmm. and then you're you get fifty thousand in chips mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. i mean things like that they mm-hmm. do stuff like that um so it might not necessarily but it is still supposed to be a hefty tip because he yeah. agrees to have a drink with him and he's like well i've never been tipped like that right. before so it's pres- presumably it's a thousand dollars yeah um so we cut to and, and again this chip that he gives them is the one that's missing a corner and we've seen that corner where that they found that piece in Laura's stomach got it okay I think they're doing a lot of work From here saying autopsy. that there's a corner of a chip it's like a pie yeah <laughs> like it's a... literally the letter J part yeah. it's a little sliver out of it that was cracked off uh, so we cut we cut to Audrey who is also so remember um, she's also at one eyed Jacks and she is undercover also trying to figure out who killed Laura Palmer, right? She's, is that her motivation? She's trying to get a... It's... And she's trying to get attention from Cooper. Yeah, but she's basically... Yeah, it's less about figuring out who killed Laura Palmer and more about doing Cooper's job for him so she'll notice him. He'll notice her. Yeah, you're right, right. So, like, if she can solve who killed Laura Palmer, mm-hmm. holy shit, Cooper's gonna love me. Yes. Um. So, yeah, she's kind of playing little detective there um and she does so by becoming one of these these uh these girls who works in brothel uh, workers yes um so she's wearing this white lingerie thing with like a quadrillion tiny little red bows which is weird (laughs) because those are the bows like (laughs) really why do you think I'm in love with Audrey? This like, little, I mean, those just little, all of it. I mean, the whole out. This is how yeah. just those little bows make me think of like the underwear I had in junior high, and they had a little bow on the front. Like that, to me, yeah. it feels very juvenile, a very juvenile oh, way really? of being sexy. But also, it wasn't on lingerie; it was on like my mud branded 
underwear. I'd imagine bra, don't worry. Double A. Um, so she's dressed in lingerie and is a hunchback seamstress, which is the wildest choice. I, supposedly there was more to that character. Really? There's a whole sequence that got cut out. Huh. And I don't, I don't remember what happens in it. I don't remember if I've seen it or not. I just remember hearing about it, and then it got cut to just this one fleeting thing that you're like, "Wait, wait, what?" Because <laughs> like, she looks, you just see her hands, and, and then she like leaves the room, and you're cartoon, like, "It's it's it feels like something out of young, young Frankenstein." Yeah. You know what I mean? Like walk this way. Um, yeah, like it's it's super bizarre. And meanwhile, she's sewing a card onto Audrey while the outfit is on her person. Like, she's literally... Yeah. Like, if you sew something onto somebody's costume, you have them take it off so you don't sew it into their flesh. <laughs> but she's just... Technically, she, all she does is trim some loose string. Oh, I thought she... It looked like... Oh, I thought she was she sewing was, it. She was clipping off some Oh, I thought she strings. was sewing it onto her, but like, chest. The idea is that she did just finish putting it on okay. her chest. Um... So, and it's the card that she picked from Blackie earlier or whatever. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, Blackie had her pick a card. Yeah. She picks the Queen of Diamonds, which, like, isn't subtle, but whatever. Which I would imagine if that's something they do for all of the girls that work there. Who's going to pick, like, yeah. the Nine of Clubs? You know what? The Queen of Diamonds isn't left. Someone got that one already. Hey. Sorry, it's lady. Me, it's me, Jessica, but you can call me the Four of Spades. <laughs> right. Wow, wow. Yeah, it's. <laughs> Whatever. But. Hi, I'm the Jack of Clubs. <laughs> At least that's kind of cool. Like, mm. um, okay, uh, okay. So Audrey's dressed in her lingerie and she visits Blackie's office. And Blackie says the owner will visit that night and at, oh, ask her to pick, pick a card spread across the table. Ooh, maybe we got the order wrong. Audrey picks the Queen of Diamonds card and Blackie, Blackie puts her hand over Audrey's hand. Oh, they got the order wrong. Oh. She's putting that card out okay. because that's what she picked. Okay, just making sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so we cut to uh, Cooper and Jacques, who are sitting at kind of a little... And I thought this was interesting when he's like, can I buy you a drink? I assumed it was like, let me get you a shot as a tip. But they like... It was like they went on a little date. Like they, you know, sat down on a little two-top. <laughs> um, Cooper is drinking a rocks glass with vodka or gin or something like that. And Jacques brings over two steins of beers. Yeah. <laughs> so... He's taking a lot, a lot of advantage of a drink. Well, hey, um, wouldn't you? So he, uh, so Cooper talks to Jacques about his business with about Jacques' business with Leo, and tells Jacques to meet Cooper at the water processing plant in two hours. That doesn't seem familiar to me. I think I was distracted by all the drinks on the table. Probably, but yeah, that's that's, that's why. That's exactly what. That's uh, where. So he tells him where to go, with giving it like he says he's got a job for him. Cutting out the middleman, which is Leo, and says, oh, I'll do yes, this. Yes, yes. You meet okay. me here. I'll give you $10,000. Here's 5000 now. Gotcha. Another five on completion. And gotcha. that's where the rest of the sheriff's department is waiting for him. Okay. Um, Jacques then tells how the bit of the poker chip got into Laura's stomach. Leo had made her bite down on it when the bird was attacking her, telling her, bite the bullet, baby. Bite the bullet. So we're all partying. Girls are all getting pretty high. Everybody's pretty crazy. You lure and run in. Leo lets Waldo out of the cage, and the birdie lands on her shoulder. <laughs> Laura, she's all tied up. Oh, she like that. But the birdie starts picking on her shoulder, picking like love picks or something. You know what I mean? So Leo, he's doing a number on her. But Laura, she's screaming about the damn bird. 
out of cheer, puts it in her mouth and says, Bite the bullet, baby. Bite the bullet. <laughs> Bite the bullet, baby. Ew, is that when they had the close-up? Oh, no, don't. I don't stop it. I don't think I realized I had an aversion to tongues until watching this scene. And every time I mean, Jacques sticks everything his tongue out, Jacques does it is super makes, gross. It's but yeah. just so icky because they do but a, that's the like idea. a tight like, close up of just his mouth. And that's exactly what they. But that's Ugh. what they like. He's so just dis, like. Yeah. He's straight up Jabba the Hutt. Yes. Yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I I don't know, and I'm not like crazy about you know whatever. I was gonna say I'm not crazy about like. Oh, it's a fat guy, so he's gross. But he's just he's gross, and, and like he's the gross type of he's a lech person that. But like that's this what he's doing now is tame compared to how he treats Laura. Sure, but we've seen like a peek into it. Yeah, exactly. You know, you all, all of a sudden know what he's capable sure. of. Um. Okay. So then we cut to Audrey, who's waiting alone in the room. End of paragraph. That's um, that's when the card thing actually is. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, that makes much more sense. Yeah. Um, then we cut to uh, the Johnsons' house, where Shelley is washing her hair in the kitchen sink with her gun next to her. Yeah. This feels like a bygone thing, and I will tell you why. Um, that's what I was wondering. I asked you about that when it happened. Like, is this a thing people used to do at some point? I mean, I'm. How old am I? I'm 34. I've never done anything like that. But there was definitely a time when, like, washing your hair was a whole big thing. But that was back in, like... The 50s. The 50s and yeah. 60s when women would have their hair done for a sure. week. And they the only, only washed like, it the once a week. The only thing I was thinking is, like, this is somehow related to, like, the fact that they're doing repairs. That's exactly what I was going to say. But also, like, there was a scene earlier where her and Bobby, like, still have wet hair. Because presumably they just showered Shower together. together yeah. You know what I mean? So, like... They have a shower. Yeah. Um, it seems like, but who knows? Yeah, and it's funny because I feel like more often most women will shower and not wash their hair. Right. And then you just shower and also wash your hair instead of like... Yeah, yeah it, it just I, seems strange. I mean, seemed, it I mean granted, it was probably... I mean, it's just a, so they could have this effect of the towel being pulled away as she reaches for it. Sure, sure. Like, But I feel like you could have done the same thing with just like washing her face mm-hmm. in a bathroom yeah. or, or in the sink that would make more sense um so she's washing her hair and she kind of starts to get soap in her eye and she goes so she's got it's a sink to the immediate right is the gun mm-hmm. to the right of that is a folded towel uh so she gets soap in her eye she starts to reach out to grab it and you see the towel get like pulled away right. out of her reach which um, is a creepy effect but then the problem with that too is then she realizes what happens, so she grabs for the gun, stands up, and then there's no soap anymore. Yes, correct. And her hair is just kind of like long and yes. damp. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, it's not a great If cut. you're done washing your face, you could at least splash water in her face, and most of it's gone, and it kind of drips off. And it that but also like, gives you the same effect of like, oh, I can't see it for a second. Right. Yeah. And, but the hair, the, it was just... Yeah, it wasn't a great it was, choice. It seems shoehorned in there for this one effect of the towel being slowly pulled mm-hmm. away. Um, Which is tough because you, I feel like there's ways you could have done Yeah, Leo sneaking up on her in a very creepy way and this just kind of failed. Yeah. Uh, so she watches her in the sink with the gun next to her. Leo sneaks up behind her and grabs her mouth. 
then we there's a lot of cuts in and out of this. Like there's very few long scenes. They're mostly very. And that's part of why that opening scene with it feels really Donna, long. Donna, James, and all them is because that whole sequence is just long. Mm-hmm. God, we've already been talking for almost twenty five. Well, minutes. and it's it's weird because and talk about the the log lady intro where she talks about the rhythm and everything mm-hmm. like. This episode has a really weird rhythm. It does, yeah. Um, So we cut back to um, Andy and Harry, who are on a stakeout. Um, They're staking out looking for Jacques, right? They're They're at the water. They're waiting at the the meet point where that Cooper told Jacques to go. That water processing plant? Yeah, and they do... I really actually love this whole exchange with them and Hawk on the CB mm-hmm. where they the whole thing is in like fishing code. Yeah, these three boys are very I just it's, and yeah, I really it's a like really them. sweet like like oh well we got the fish uh what about Cooper? Uh, he's he's about 10 minutes upstream. Uh-huh. And like everything is just coded. in this like not coded because it's blatantly it's obvious. Vernacular of- but yeah, it's just like these guys know fishing so that's how they talk and mm-hmm. it's that whole sequence felt really really honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so on their stakeout, Andy tells Harry that Lucy still hasn't talked to him. Uh, Women. <laughs> a lot of that in this episode. Like, can't live with them, can't live without them. Um, Jacques pulls into It the- also felt a little bit, though, just like Truman didn't know what to say. And that's a safe way to just be like, I mean, Truman Women. is in a not great position of two of his subordinates are dating each other, and there's drama, and they're both his coworkers yeah, and his like, friends. Yeah, you can't, you can't be like, ah, well, she's a bitch. Yeah, you can't, yeah. I'm gonna I support always hated you. That yeah, you can't, you can't do any. So, like, what he does felt less misogynistic and more. I don't know what I to need say. An out of but this conversation. I, I'll say something that sounds supportive but isn't really. It's like, and then we'll move on to the next subject. It's like when you're texting with someone, you don't know how to end it, so you just give a thumbs up emoji, and you're like, "Yeah, we both agree that that's the end of this or conversation." Or just send the Cooper thumbs up gif. But yeah, yeah same I mean, thing. listen, they all work. Um, Jacques pulls into the plant and is surrounded by cops immediately. Um, Jacques steals. All that, also, that whole scene is lit really, really well. Yeah, I don't like know. I just the whole like. It, there's like a blue backdrop. Oh, you're like saying it's yellow. very Michael Bay. Yeah, it, it kind of does. But so like, we just watched a Michael Bay movie for, this weekend. For a scene outdoors in a television show like that, like it's really cool looking. Uh-huh. It stands out. It isn't. And then there's like the the red and the blue bouncing mm-hmm. around. It's it's really really cool looking. Yeah. I, I really really like this scene. And the part that I notice is when the cops get so Jack steals Deputy Fred's gun, attempts to escape, but Andy shoots him in the shoulder. And there is some <laughs> just ultra masculine deep talking in this. Like Harry gets out, and Harry has a very, I would say, average voice. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he gets out and he's like, Jack, keep your hands where I can see you. Put your hands on the car. And I was like, Do you always talk like that, Harry? And then and then Andy gets out, who has a slightly higher pitched voice, like, freeze. I'm like, excuse me. Do you guys have talk voice? I mean, it's just a stern. Like, when you go stern, you get deeper. Well, yeah. And it's a, yes. And I'm not, I mean, it's yeah. just a funny thing that I noticed. Yeah. Um, that they both kind of did the drop voice thing. Yeah. Um, so Jacques tries to steal Deputy Fred's the gun, gun. And then you just hear one shot from off camera. Which is, it's a, a nice little tie back into... Andy's been doing his training yep. that we saw him. And he, I, he wanted, you know, Cooper instructed him to, to hit the range every day, mm-hmm. get get more comfortable. And like the, like the comfort of like 
boom, one shot, laid him out. And got him in the arm. It didn't yeah. kill him. Laid him out, and then the other guys arrested. Like it wasn't seventeen shots. Yeah, he didn't like center mass. Yeah, it didn't didn't kill him. Did, mm-hmm. did exactly what you should do when you have to. Like yeah, that was nice to see. Um, and I also really like that Harry is visibly delighted and proud. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a this whole scene is really good. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really okay, sweet again. moment, and it's. He's he's relieved that he didn't get shot, right? You know, and then yeah, it's a, it's a proud moment for mm-hmm. hey Andy, you know, did what we told him to do. Yeah. And all right, are you ready for this next sentence? James, Donna, and Maddie listen to the tape from Jacoby's Coconut. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect it. To go. <laughs> I had a beer in my mouth. Um, <laughs> I thought I thought it was very confident that you were taking a sip during that I thought, sentence I when I teed it up for you. I thought it was going to be like you. a poorly worded sentence. I didn't realize it had a punchline. <laughs> the tape from the... I mean... Listen. It's not inaccurate. It's descriptive. <laughs> I, I love it. And they're in like just the most 90s tape player ever. Oh my God. That like white... Yeah. It's, oh my God. It was so good. It's good. But... And... It, and I actually really like th- this. Is another episode where I actually enjoy the work James or James does. I thought he was very good. He's in this episode good as in this well. Episode. There's a handful of episodes that he's genuinely good. Uh huh. And I like like the whole scene. Like it's Laura on the tape being like, "I love James. He's so, he's so sweet, but my God, so is he he's dumb. dumb?" And he's just like his head's down, and he's like, just this tangled web it. of all yeah. the emotions is. Well, and then Donna portrayed well, I think, and especially considering he and Donna have both been like dealing with the guilt of yeah. they've been in love, and I don't even know were they actually sneaking around behind Laura's back, or it just happened after she died. Um, I mean, either way, they feel guilty, yeah, and exactly. have talked about feeling guilty of yeah. like, what are we doing? Would we have done this whether yeah. Laura lived or died? Um, and then, and then Maddie's just like, well, this is fucking awkward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's a. It's kind of a really interesting scene. And then she starts getting graphic. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, about, you know, she she likes the drugs. She likes it rough. She likes yeah. all of that stuff is like super fucking uncomfortable for everybody. And I think everyone plays it really well. I, yeah, I thought all the performances were really and good. It's funny. Donna with, and her Nancy Drew hat, oh you know. Oh, my goodness. I, I thought it was, I think it's funny that, ja- what's the actor's name plays James? It's James. Marshall. Marshall. Um, it, it's it must really have to do with the direction because he really goes from like extremely wooden to a genuinely compelling performance, yeah. and yeah. it's I, and, I can't think of any show I've seen that I can relate that to. And while Mark Frost wrote and directed this episode, this is during a time when David Lynch is still heavily involved, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't surprise me if Lynch had something to do with because Lynch is good at getting. Yeah, non-actors like to act. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lauren insults James, talks about how Leo is trying to kill her, but but that gets her off. Um, and then Doctor Haywood leaves and tells Donna to check on her mother. I don't remember that at all. Um, it was you, just a, oh, it was just a pat, like, hey, I'm leaving. Okay. I got a thing at the emergency. Oh, that's right, I do remember that. Check okay. check on your mother. There's an emergency, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, James and Donna embrace, and James tells Maddie that Jacoby was trying to help Laura, to, Laura, and Donna asks how he got the necklace. 
Okay. And they don't know. Like, I don't know that it's ever really explained. Right. I mean, they we see, we know that he dug it up. Mm-hmm. But how he knew about that, none of that ever really gets explained as far as I know. Right. Um, so we cut to the lumber mill. Um, so if we remember, Leo has been contracted to burn down the lumber mill as per whose instructions at this point? Like, who's pulling... Like Leo was hired by Ben Horn. Okay. Per Catherine, supposedly. Okay, we're going to have to dive into when Josie and um, Hank talk, because I have no idea what the fuck is going on. You let me know when, and I'll Okay, I, I, um, two more paragraphs. Uh, two more scenes, I guess. At the lumber mill, Leah unloads his gas after tying Shelly up it's also, inside. It's weird. It, hearing called the lumber mill just sounds weird to me. Like... It's always the sawmill. Oh, the sawmill. I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's just lumber mill just sounds just, weird to me because I'm so used to hearing sawmill. Sawmill, yeah. Um, so uh, Leo unloads the gas after tying Shelly up inside. He winds up a bomb. So it's like a like an egg timer. Yeah. Um, which I... Also, he, he winds it to like the halfway mark, which he's like, you've got about an hour. So I don't know what kind of egg timer that is. Well, where half really time good is eggs hour. you have to boil for two hours. Yeah, I don't. I mean, most of that style of timer, I think, it's, goes to like maybe 10 minutes, 15. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tells uh, Shelly she has an hour to think about her behavior and that he's going to kill Bobby. Also, okay. speaking of poor actors or acting performance, it's like a pretty Leo's yeah. good in this episode, or Eric Darre is yeah. really good in this episode, too. I think the script is pretty good, is, yeah. is the other thing, and that helps, too. Yeah, I, I think sure. that like, Frost is like, a, a, like, he's good at dialogue. But uh, Eric Darre playing as Leo, that whole, like, I don't want to be killing my wife. Yeah. You broke my heart. You fucking did that. Yeah. And, like, being pissed and angry and all this, but also, like... Well, I think... He is human. And, yeah. like, oh, shit, he is genuinely upset about this, but also, like... Like, that balance is, is an interesting conflict. My thought, and this is just me me speculating, but this is the one time that Leo has motivation to be angry at Shelly. Otherwise, he's just kind of being a dick for being dick sake. That's probably true. And so you, when you have something to draw on, like, I'm not an actor, but I would imagine if you have something to draw on, yeah. it's like, oh, well, she did this to you. She's cheating and, on you. And early on in, like, the pilot and stuff, they all have their motivations because they know coming in, this is your character. This right. is where you're coming from. And But Leo's always been kind yeah, of a nothing of a character. Been, yeah. Um, the stereotypical ge- generic bad guy. Exactly. Who, which is kind of, Hank takes that over. Mm-hmm. Yes. A little bit. Who becomes but Hank just, has a lot more depth. I say. I don't I know think. that, but I don't think or it's Or maybe the actor is I think I think Chris Mulkey <laughs> is just a good actor. Yeah. He, I've seen him in a lot of stuff. I think he's. I think a lot of Hank's character is Chris Mulkey making him likable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's very good at. What did we just see him in? Uh, the Purge. Uh, the Purge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we cut to uh, Big Ed and Nadine's house, uh, but specifically we cut to Ugh, this whole scene. Oh is my god, it's so heartbreaking, s- and, so tragic. And beautiful. Nadine is. One of the most fascinating characters. She goes... Especially early. I was going to say, first season Nadine is very interesting. Second Spo- season spoiler, Nadine is confusing. I guess, spoiler, there there is a second season Nadine. Oh. <laughs> sorry, guys. I mean, it's fine. I blew it. I'm so sorry. Should we just start again? Yeah, for okay. sure. Hey, it's me, Jessica. We should just Jessica. pick a new show, I think, at this point. <laughs> um, so right, you, guys, we show... We're going to talk about family matters now. <laughs> I heard it. Well, shit, now maybe I'm a family guy. 
Um, <laughs> so we cut and like it sort of um, uh, pulls up on Nadine because she's wearing it's this gorgeous really cool, dress. It opens with like the whole screen is just like mm-hmm. washed in plaid. Yeah. And you realize she's like waving out a blanket yeah. to like spread it all out. And it's kind of that's a cool and segue into a scene. And she's wearing this beautiful silk dress and she takes her to. Um, it's like pink. Yeah, it's just like pink kind of chiffony, I guess. It, it feel honestly, it feels like a prom dress. I oh, I got yeah. the assum- I I took the assumption that it was like a prom dress because uh, Na- Nadine her- and Ed have been high school sweethearts, and I think this was like the last time she felt loved by him, loved and Beautiful. like herself and important, mm-hmm. and everything was in high school, and probably the climax of that was uh-huh. prom. Wait, Which also oh. kind of explains what happens to her character going back to, you know. Can I push back on that a little yeah. bit? I thought um, Ed and, um, what's her name, were high school sweethearts. They were. Tell me her name. They both, Norma. Norma. I mean, high school's four years. Sure. But. I just assume they got together afterwards. There's, but I think there's some really discrepancy in that with, like, if you go back to, like, the books and you go back, like, because everything, all of those relationships are laid out in like short single lines of dialogue mm. and i think a handful of them kind of overlap contradict each other a sure. little bit but uh, but either way even if that even if that wasn't the, even if it wasn't related to ed yeah her high school days is the last time she felt yeah. like herself and i think that was kind of that's kind of the vibe i always got from that scene mm-hmm. is she's trying to go back to I another agree time with you on that. You, just because she talks about how she was like a mousy nobody in high school and that doesn't when, mean she's not. Um, when she's talking to Ed about how he and uh, Nadine were high school sweethearts, and she's like, "Oh, I didn't think you would notice me because I'm this. I was this oh. nobody, and you were you were Nadine or whatever." A couple episodes ago, and and that's not to say that that dress isn't from a significant part of their mm-hmm. relationship. I just don't know that it's high school that she's hearkening back to. But yeah, we'll we'll visit more on Nadine's her and her character. high school experience. Yeah. Um. So she has this little picnic for lack of a better word laid out she puts down a note and then she takes two um, prescription bottles and pours them together in a bowl mm-hmm. does she have a muddling thing or am i making that up no it, she has like a bottle of water she pours the water into a glass oh okay sets I, that down and then that pours up. the pills into the bowl yeah and then it's just a close-up and she says goodbye mm-hmm. hey donnie we don't actually need you to bargain right now so we cut to hank who is counting money in his suitcase and he thanks josie for the ninety thousand. And then he says, you know, when I was in the slammer or whatever he says, he uses mm-hmm. a lot of slang for the joint. He the, says joint. the joint. Oh, lot. boy. Um, and he's like, yeah, when I was in the joint, it seems like the most money in the world. Now it seems a little light. And she's like, oh, we made a deal or we had an agreement. Or yeah, whatever, but like which I liked about her. I, I liked that about it. But also she says basically exactly that like three or four times. And each time is a little bit less and less confident. Uh-huh. It's, well, we had a deal. This is what we agreed on. And then he keeps spinning his story. Well, we had a deal. And then kind of turns away from him. Yeah. And, like, gets less and less confident. But, like, he knows he's burrowing inside right. her brain. So he talks about how his time is now worth more than... He does this whole while... Like, it's kind of really interesting. I really I liked it. it. Yeah. So he it's says... So, it's... it's the mind of a sociopath, yeah, like justifying shit. So he says, "Okay, say," and he talks all in like hypotheticals, even though mm-hmm. he's obviously talking about himself. And so he says, "Well, you know, say you sent spent a certain amount of time in the joint, say eighteen months, <laughs> yeah. and that's 
not too bad when you say you have 30, 40, 50 years left in your life, but what if you've only got 10 years or five years or fewer? Then all of a sudden that time gets, and he's talking about how his time is. And he's, and he's threatening in the same way because he's saying, look, what if I only have 20 years or 10 years or I die in a tragic boating accident mm-hmm. like, like your, your brother? brother. Like, like your husband. Andrew, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, like you're, but like throws it out there, like looking at her, mm-hmm. like. So are we supposed to understand that he? Okay, Mikey's maybe shrugging. Which I mean, makes like podcast. it's definitely throwing it out there, like whether he d- was did something and was involved. But basically, this sets the stage for. I don't think it was an accident. Uh, yeah, and and and, and then know, he and then he comes back to that by saying like when I was in the joint for vehicular manslaughter like spe- uh-huh. like specifies yeah. that it was accidental to mm-hmm. an extent like he's letting you in of saying like whether because it could be a ploy to say like maybe it wasn't an accident mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's making himself sound and take credit for something he didn't do mm-hmm. like how terrorists do that shit sure, where sure, like sure. something bad will happen and be like we did that yeah, yeah 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 and they had nothing to do with it like it could be a little bit of that or he's suggesting that he murdered her fucking husband yeah um so Josie insists they had an agreement and Hank surprises her with the blood handshake okay so here's where we're going to do a quick breakdown I am going to do my best to see if I can work my way through it and I need your help in terms of take a quick pause then okay another beer okay (laughs) okay we're back Mikey's got his beer I've topped up my wine let's Let's talk (laughs) family guy (laughs) right Uh yeah 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 so the first episode of Family Guy. So there's Guy, Peter Griffin. There's it's Stewie. about the Griffin Brian family. is the dog. <laughs> Can he talk? We don't know. <laughs> do, do the parents understand that he's talking? <laughs> I don't know. Stewie's the, well, Brian, too. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? No, he must because you wrote a script the at one time. mysteries galore. <laughs> we'll have to do at least two episodes per episode. Right. For to really sure, break it down. For sure. Okay, bit over. Um, <laughs> so we're going to talk about this fucking sawmill thing. I'm genuinely going to write this down. Okay. Okay. So there's... So we have the sawmill. Let's, let's okay. It's all centered around the sawmill. Yeah. There are the player that. the players involved. Yep. Ben Horn. Catherine Martell. Uh-huh. Josie Packard. Leo Johnson. Hank Jennings. Okay. So what we know is that Josie legally owns the sawmill. Correct. Because her husband, Andrew. Who is uh, Catherine's brother. Correct. Was the owner. But because he was married to Josie, it went to her instead Instead of of his sister. Which made Catherine angry. Correct. And she wanted to either get a hold of the sawmill herself or get some sort of revenge. She she thought Josie would sell it to her or something. But Josie insisted on continuing to run it. Right. Right. Okay. Um, and we see that in the very and first episode when they disagree about how to whether or not to close up the sawmill after the tragedy. And Mar- Catherine Martell wants to own it, not because she wants to run a fucking sawmill, but because she is in with Benhorn and wants that land for this giant ghostwood development of estates, country club, everything. Okay, okay. so... So she wants it either, so she can either sell it or... Right burn it and get insurance money or whatever. Do we suspect that Catherine killed her brother? I don't think so. Okay. So it wasn't that she tried to kill the brother to get a hold of the sawmill and then do it. No, she would have. She's smart enough where she would have done the due diligence to know what's in his fucking will. Okay. Yes, you're right. She's very smart. Okay. So, so we 
As the show starts, Josie owns a sawmill, has no plans on closing it down, no plans on selling it, is going to continue running it as Correct. Andrew did. So Ben and Catherine sleeping have, together. are sleeping together, have also teamed up to grift it away from Josie. Their their plan is to burn it down. Oh, okay. They're cooking books. They're cooking books. So there's two sets of books. Catherine is cooking books. Catherine and Ben are cooking books. Uh-huh. They, they are in cahoots to burn down the mill uh-huh. and get the insurance money. Okay. All right. Or get and get. Well, she wants the insurance money and also wants to sell it to Ben so she gets that so she gets insurance money the money for the sale and ben gets the land that he can sell so they can do ghost and for the states she being Catherine, right yes yeah okay um yes so that we're comfortable with yes now and that's the, what they set up for the first half of the first yes. season that's what leo, you kind of know is like oh they're scheming against josie yeah leo ties in because he is the the he's, bag man right he's, he's the one who's going to actually do the arson. correct he is hired by ben horn mm-hmm to burn the mill down. Okay. All right. So that is all set. Yes. Now the Hank part is very confusing to me. I do not understand what's going on there. We know he calls her from prison. So before, he's been before pulling Before Hank her. comes in, you find out Ben Horn is double-crossing Catherine and working with, with Josie, Josie to swindle Catherine out completely. And so that the, the 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 selling of the land or insurance money and all that stuff is going to muscle Catherine out. Also, they took out a huge life insurance policy on, on Catherine. So they're going to kill Catherine. So the plan is to get Catherine inside the mill when they burn it down. Wait, back up with me for one sec. Um, why would Catherine get money if the sawmill burns down? Or is she planning on also killing Josie? And she would be the next... Sorry, say it again. So say their plan goes goes to plan. Sorry, that was a terrible sentence. But um, if the mill burns down... Yes. By... At the hands of Josie and Ben. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Taking another step back. Okay. Back to the original plan. How Catherine thinks the plan is working. Sure. So if she and Ben have the mill burnt down... Yes. Why would Catherine get anything? She's in with Ben Horn's real estate development. But why wouldn't Josie just get that that money? Because they were going. Josie was going to sell it to them first. Okay. Because they were. I think that's where I'm confused. But she wasn't planning on selling it. If she was going to sell it to them, they wouldn't have to do arson. Do arson? I don't think that's like, the word. I, I but sell them the land or whatever after the fact or. So they're just assuming once the mill once the mill itself is out of play, then it's just useless land to Josie exactly. and she'll sell it. Yeah. Okay. I, th- I probably. Okay. I mean, I think that seems reasonable. Okay. So then we know that Josie and Ben are double-crossing Catherine to cut her out of that whole deal. So Correct. the mill still burns down. Josie gets the money, sells it to Ben. Ben gets the land to do Ghostwood Estates. And... Catherine would be in the mill when it burned down. Ah. That's why Hank... Ah. That's why Hank calls her and says, that book you're looking for, because her and Pete are looking through the... Her being... Uh, Catherine and Pete are okay. looking for, like, the, the cooked book. They uh-huh. lost the cookbook. Uh-huh. 
Hank calls her, calls Catherine and says, it's in this back lot of the, you know, it's in shed four or whatever of the sawmill. That's why Catherine goes to the sawmill. And the plan so was to blow get... up the sawmill with Catherine inside. Oh. So where does Hank enter into that? Hank. They, Hank. <laughs> Leah, Lea, or Josie brought Hank in to get Catherine there. Okay. Hank is hired as the hit on Catherine. By Josie. Okay. By Josie. So it's a little extraneous. Yes. Okay. Okay. And so Josie's paying Hank $90,000 to get and then, Catherine to a certain place at a certain time. And then, so he's, so Hank has two jobs. Get yes. Catherine out of play. Yeah. Get her to the mill and get her out of play. And then he ties up the loose ends, the loose ends being Leo. That's why he shoots Leo. Oh! So he's hired but then for... Hank's a loose end. Yeah, but Like, he's... why is Hank less of a loose end than Leo is? Because Hank's not an idiot like Leo is? Yeah, maybe. But, like, they... Because it's one of those that, like, they can pin... Leo's got a track record. They can pin him to burning the mill down. Sure. But then... Why, who, why the fuck would Hank and... I, I feel like Hank's just enough of an outsider. He just got out of prison. Okay. Like, all of this stuff, like, what are the odds he comes... He's seemingly doing good on his parole. He's working at the uh-huh. diner. He's putting on a good face for his exactly. wife. Exactly. I think he's less of a suspect of... Why would Hank kill fucking... Okay. Catherine and Leo? Why... What does he Where's have to Leo's gain like by that? like, all up in that garbage. What does he have to gain by that? Yeah. Oh, he was hired by Josie? That's insane. Why Josie? Josie's Sheriff Truman's girlfriend. Like... It's it's one giant leap to another giant leap to another giant leap. Okay. Whereas Leo's like, yeah, duh. Of course Leo Brady. Yeah, yeah. He's our local scumbag. Yeah. Okay. 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 I think we figured it out. Probably. Or we <laughs> or we made sense of something that yeah. is potentially. Uh, we'll have to call David Lynch all there. next week. And I think it's Mark what... Frost. Okay. We'll have to call, I, yeah. Mark, call Mark Frost next week. I follow him on Twitter. We're pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> he's great on Twitter. Oh, he's very good. Um. So, okay. Okay. So, then we cut. Do you want to sum that up real short? Uh, yes. And I'm going to do a really good job, okay? Okay. Okay. Here I go. I, honestly, this is a thing that, like, I've listened to a handful of podcasts. I've heard people talk about it. I've seen it written. I think people need a this to this okay. to then okay. this to then this is something Twin Peaks fans of my caliber, not scholars, but, like, just big fans would love to hear. Oof, that's a lot of pressure that you just put on my back there, bud. You got it. Okay, thanks, baby. Okay, so Josie owns the sawmill. No. Fuck <laughs> you. How could you? <laughs> Asshole. So Josie owns this. It's a lumber mill. <laughs> <laughs> so Josie owns the sawmill. Um, and is is. Okay, fuck. Okay, Josie owns a sawmill. Shorter. I mean, I, okay. I'm... Josie owns a sawmill. Um, ben and Catherine were planning on burning it down and using the land to build... Ghostwood? Ghostwood Estates. Um, 
so that was that's layer one. Layer two is Josie and Ben are cahooting behind Catherine's back. To double cross Catherine. To double cross Catherine. So that means Catherine's cut out of everything um, and gets no money. And so Josie would get the insurance money. Ben would get the land. Yes. All of this is going to be done through Leo. Leo is always going to be their Batman. This right? is where it splits a little bit, I think. I think Leo is Ben Horn's hire and Hank is Josie's. Oh, you think... Josie hired Hank to. I don't think to commit arson. I don't think there's a direct connection between Hank and Ben Horn. Okay. Nope. I lied. There is. There is. He he says clean. He says something about cleaning up the loose ends on the phone. Continue. I'm sorry. So Josie owns the mill. Ben and Catherine want to burn down the mill. Catherine gets the money. Ben gets the land for Ghostwood Estates. Uh, Leo is going to be their arsonist for that. Um, meanwhile, behind Catherine's back, Ben and Josie are then cahooting uh, to do essentially the same thing, but just cut Catherine out. Then Josie gets the money instead of Catherine. Um, and then Josie hires Hank to make sure Catherine is in the mill when it burns down. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of this episode, and, and then Hank, so Hank's job is to make sure Catherine's in the place and, and also take, take, care, take care of Leo. So at the end of the day, they want Catherine dead, they want Leo dead. Hank has $90,000 that Josie pays him to do all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben has the, the land to make Ghostwood Estates with his mm-hmm. Icelandic friends, and Josie has the money from the sawmill itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Did we do it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Woo! That was the worst. Worst high five. Far away. Well, you didn't really put your effort into it, did you? Um, okay. Okay, we did it. So, uh, we got to Catherine and Pete are in Catherine's office, in the accounting office. Uh, Catherine's looking for the ledger. She and Pete, which is, I, I kind of am obsessed with the Catherine scene. and Pete. But this whole, whole scene, scene with the, the guys looking in from outside, and then it keeps one window by one window. And, they, trying, and like not acknowledging it, just closing the next window blinds. So they're, in this, the next, so so they're in this office and they're arguing. What were they arguing about? Where to find the books? Or just not even arguing. They were just. Yeah, it was. It's. Because Pete it's, has nothing it's to Catherine's do with It's realizing what's happening. She can't find the book and she confronts Pete with like, do you know about this? Are you in, are, are you in Josie scheming? Why? I don't know where the book is and. Pete's like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Because Pete, has, Pete is Catherine's husband and has nothing to do with this. Right. And doesn't know where the book is. He's like, you keep it in the safe. It's in the safe or whatever. She's like, it's not there. And, yes. Um, um, and so they're in one of those offices that has, like, I feel like you see them in TV and I've never seen one in real life that has, like, three glass walls. Well, they're in, like, it's a built-in office inside a fucking giant Oh, yeah. It kind of reminds me of the office when they have, like, just... Yeah. Shades ever, and so as they're kind of arguing, all the workers are standing outside, sort of eavesdropping. And as Pete is talking to Catherine, like you said, not acknowledging, but just like closing the blinds one, one after is, the yeah, other as people great. kind of keep shifting and over. It's, and it gets, it starts with this. It's like a the back. It's like backwards drama. Like it starts with like anger and like attacking, and then turns into this like sweet like you see Catherine humanized for like the first time mm-hmm. probably. We're yes. like. They start going back to like, and they, my favorite is that they answer the question of like, why, why the fuck are these two even together? I know our marriage is a living train wreck, but there used to be something caring between us. The fella who caught my eye, the lumberjack who could scamper up a tree like a cat. <laughs> 
boss's sister from that big house on the hill? A summer's indiscretion. Here we are. Catherine. And they give you that. And so we learned that Pete beautiful was. Beautiful moment. Like it was just this summer so nice. fling that he hooked up with the boss's sister. Pete was just a worker in the mill. He, he was, yeah, he was a um, steeplejack, I think they call it. But I like, don't know what that is. He's, he was a, like a, he was not just in the mill. He was a, an actual like lumberjack. Oh, okay. Like, okay. Steeplejacks, I think, are the one, like lumberjacks who climb and then hack Oh, up she top. said he climbed something like a cat. Yeah. In a way that apparently was very sexy to her. Yeah, but like the the this instead of you know, cutting down a two hundred foot tree or yeah, whatever, you cut it off cut in it off chunks. in sections and they climb with the belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hack it off the top yeah. or whatever. Where I lived in little by little. Derby uh, in Montana, there was it was a big logging area and so there was like a gajillion pictures of oh, like yeah. eight, you know, eight, ten, twelve men around a tree that's 12 like feet in diameter. But they cut it like, down and it's so unfathomably big. Yeah, it's so cool. It's wild. And it's just, but it, we don't yeah. have anything like that in the Midwest. Yeah. And then their reaction to all of that is just really, really sweet. And then it, and then it ends on that moment of like, he turns into a blothering little baby. Yeah. Falls into her chest and she's just like, she's like crying. She's got tears in her eyes, but is also like, Oh God, you're such a fucking wuss. Yeah, like, he's, and he's like, just I love you, sweet, but God damn it, grow some balls. He's a like, sweet, tender guy, yeah. and like, does not deserve to be treated like and trash like, by this horrible really woman. And truly, like, it feels like the thing where like they shouldn't be together, obviously. But he had this like lurid affair fling when thing she even over the says, summer. I should never have invited you up to that house in the first well, but place. like even if that happened but like I feel like it was an issue of like he didn't want to be with her anymore after that instance but then was like I I'll just I'd rather just be miserable for the rest of my life than break it off you think a little bit but doesn't that I, I think that and she's like oh I can use this guy for shit <sighs> See, and then I he don't think I don't think right. I think he just didn't have the balls to to, I, to dump somebody. I think more realistically is that Catherine didn't need to marry for money, right? She she was set up, or she thought she was, until her brother died and she didn't get the inheritance she thought she would. But ostensibly, she must still have money somewhere. Um, and shacked up with this, like, sweet, goobery guy and liked him fine and he wasn't a threat to her lifestyle. She could still run around behind his back and be kind of like, you know, the the what's the word? I just I I, I always got got it as more of a malicious vibe from her that like she wanted him as a little plaything that like she can make him do what he needs what but she do, needs. Do they ever to show do. that? Do they ever show her like sending him on tasks or like her taking advantage of him? They seem to live utterly separate lives. Yeah. I think she just didn't care enough about him to break it off with him. Yeah, because he doesn't like he has a cake life, right? He lives in this big ass house. He gets he, to go fishing fish. whenever yeah. he wants, and yeah. she is living her life doing the femme fatale thing, yeah. hooking up with Ben Horn, double, triple, quadruple, crossing everybody. And I think they're both not happy, but content in the life they've built for themselves. Sure. That's fair too. I, I might mean, have I been think, doing a lot of legwork on I that. Mean, though it's it's really just. You internalizing her character, and I'm internalizing his in a way that. Oh, you know, are, do you think I'm the Catherine and you're the P? Oh, of for the, sure. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. You- You've got a much stronger personality <laughs> than I do. You don't? No, I do, but I never 
character. I just thought she was cool. But you just, I mean, yeah. I, but, <laughs> like, like, not relate. You can relate to a character without thinking you're the same person. No, yeah. <laughs> Do you think I'm just married, at you, married to you so I can fuck random motel owners on the side? Yeah, whatever. As long as I get to, well, you know, watch my movies. I made you a very good steak tonight. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I'm doing my part. And you're, I don't know, paying the bills. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. That went weird. Um, <laughs> so, uh, cut to end of end of that whole situation. Cut to the station house. Um, so they're all all the officers. Who are they talking to? So it, so who's there at the station house when Lucy's kind of eavesdropping? So it's our our four guys. It's Hawk. It's Cooper. It's Andy. No, no Cooper. Cooper's not there. No. Okay, so it's Hawk. It's Andy. It's Harry, and it's um, uh, Big Ed. Big Ed. Who are they talking? Honestly, I don't even know if Harry is there. Really? It's it's Hawk and Andy, and Big Ed, and just some random other, and like two other deputies that are okay. Presumably, one of them is Fred or Frank or whoever the deputy is who has the gun taken or whatever. Um, and so they're doing this. It just like this is, and it's it's a great shot too. They're all lined up against like the out cut cut out uh, like where the the Lucy's desk is Mm -hmm. they're standing in front of that there's like you just see like a little uh, layer of plants in the foreground okay and you see the the, all the people lined up and they're telling the story and like oh so he's he's got Jacques and he's up against the car and then you just slowly like Lucy creeps in off frame like taking up the entire frame to like water the plants that you're seeing in the foreground and and, like and like and like totally listening to like and and Andy's looking over at it like it's it's such an endearing moment it's funny because it's exactly what he was trying to do a couple episodes ago when he's like did you hear it's so embarrassing I dropped my gun and it went off it's the exact opposite except for what she wanted she told him that she's like I want you to just stand up and like be strong and confident and he finally did that and she's totally into it yeah Um, so the officers tell stories about the arrest Lucy's impressed and they go into what is that little kitchenette that they're in? It's like the yeah, the little. And it ha- what are, you don't see them anymore. But what are those like? Those vinyl like accordion, wall separators, accordion doors. Yeah. And so they go in there and close it, and they end up smooching. And she tells him she's pregnant. <laughs> and he walks out just deadpan, stunned. Ay ay ay. Andy walks away in silence. Lucy answers the phone. Boppy impersonating Leo tells her to tell Harry to check out James. Oh, yeah, she, he makes I didn't a realize phone call. he was impersonating Leo. He he doesn't necessarily impersonate. He just says, "Tell him Leo Johnson said to check out oh. the Easy Rider <laughs> or whatever," and doesn't say he's Leo Johnson, but she takes that to mean sure. that this is Leo. So mm-hmm. that's. And so if you remember, uh, Bobby planted drugs on James' motorcycle. Correct. So that's why he's, he's sent, what, what does he have against James? Why does he want to get him? Is it just petty high school, high school bullshit? Petty shit, okay. yeah. Um, at the hospital, Cooper and Harry interrogate Jacques. He says that Leo, oh God, Jacques looks so terrible in this. His eyes are bloodshot. Oh, by the way, whoever you use, he's he salad. looks like Ben Shapiro with a ponytail. Oh, <laughs> Wherever you saw that, that was it's, now um, I can't unsee that. I am in uh, I'm in a couple Facebook groups. I'm a fan of My Favorite Murder, and they have a lot of like offshoots. So it's like 
people you know are kind of like-minded, mostly women, but have different fandoms. And somebody was like, so I'm watching Twin Peaks for the first time. I love it. But also, why does Leo look like Ben Shapiro in a ponytail? And I told Mikey, he's like, I don't know what Ben Shapiro looks like. And then yesterday, you're like, oh, yep, you're right. Correct. That's correct. Yep. (laughs) Now you can't unsee it. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, so they're talking to Jacques, who looks like shit. Like, he's sallow. His eyes are bloodshot. Like, he's got his arm in a cast. So that's ostensibly where um, he got shot. Yeah. Um, Left arm is up and it's like one of those propped up casts yeah because it must be a shoulder thing yeah it's it's shoulder to 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 wrist um so at the at the hospital cooper and harry interrogate jacques he uh, jacques says that leo had hit him with a whiskey bottle and he had passed out when he came to leo and the girls were gone oh this is the night laura died yes he's talking about so leo and he's like well why did leo do this like i don't know that's why that's why I was asking him. He was Leo was just laughing about it, like they were. Dr- but he used Leo's shirt to to cut like. And so Leo's the, shirt to, that we saw that was full blood bl- in the first episode, second episode. Yeah, one of yeah. Um, and we assumed it was Laura Palmer's blood, but it's in fact it's. And we knew it was Jacques' blood. Yeah, we we found out that the blood type matched Jacques. So, um, uh, but yeah, so, so he, that's why he was bleeding. And so he passed out when he came to Leo and the girls had yeah. had left. So he was there but claims he has did, no we must have already seen the, the bite the bullet part right did we already yeah we already just, did it what, well he talks about that's why they found the the chip in, bite the bullet. In, yeah. in her stomach we and did stuff. that did we yeah because I talked about how much his tongue upset me yeah but I didn't rem- no you went bite the bullet no. okay yeah I guess but I okay the extrapolation of that is that's why they found the piece of that right. chip in bite her stomach yeah um Doc Hayward says that Dr. Jacoby is stable. So we find out that Dr. Jacoby had a heart attack. Not only was he, like, physically attacked, yeah. but that triggered a heart attack. Yeah, well, you you see that when he's down. Do he's, like, clutching his chest, oh, okay. and he's, like, reaching out for I don't remember. Laura, who he thinks is Laura or whatever. Oh, oh, oh okay. Uh, Cooper says that Leo must have taken both the girls to the train car himself, and Hayward reports that Jacoby saw Yeah, so Laura Jacques Palmer says... Leo's car is gone when he came to. Okay. The girls are gone. And he doesn't know anything about a train car. Right. So Leo and the girls are gone Mm -hmm. when Jacques came to. So Jacques is no longer a suspect in the actual murder. Mm -hmm. Um, He was just with her the night she died. Okay. And then present day, Jacoby has stabilized and tells Doc Hayward that Laura, that he, that Jacoby saw Laura Palmer at the park. And so they think who he actually saw, Maddie in the blonde wig, but everybody just thinks that Hayward's kind of... Or not Hayward, Jacoby's kind of losing it, right? Um, Catherine and Peek look through the shelves but cannot find the book. The cooked book. Oh, the cooked book, okay. Oh, and she's kind of like scrambling around. And then he starts like reminiscing on his high school days. Yeah. Um, over the phone, Hank anonymously tells Catherine that the book is in the shed. Catherine gets ready to meet him and packs a gun. So that is Hank doing his part of getting yeah. Catherine to the mill that will then burn down. Yeah. Um, but she packs a gun. Hank uh, talks to Norma. Okay, so when we cut to the Double R Diner, Hank and Norma talk about Hank's time in the joint. Um, he's trying to charm her. He's talking about that little... It's... Listen, this guy knows how to turn on the fucking charm when he has oh, to. Oh, he's, yeah. Because like, he talks about, like, oh, our mattress is 
right? Like so little, so little. It makes you wonder how do they get all them rocks in there? Because it's, it's an uncontrolled. It's uh, great, and he's doing exactly what his character and, is supposed to do. And she like she's doing a great job in that scene too, with like not like for being a silent partner uh, in that scene for the most part. Like yeah, she doesn't talk much. She's she's keeping her wall she, up. She's, but her she's, wall is up, but like. She's a little bit conflicted. And she's remember, and he reminds her they've been together. Oops, sorry. They, 20 years. Like, he knows the trigger points. And, yeah. Yeah, he knows what to say to her. Um, so then we cut to um, Big Ed arriving home. He finds Nadine passed out in the living room. He calls an ambulance, and he, like, is clutching her. It's very sad and scary. Um, then back to the station house. Lucy gives Harry the message from, quote, unquote, Leo, um, who had said, what did he say? Oh, check James' bike. Yeah. Well, so there's a great scene before that when um, so James is there and Cooper pulls him into that office. Be like, why don't you come in here and tell me what? To-? That's when James gives him the tape. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh. why, don't, why don't you come in here and tell me what you do? And he, Cooper. It's just one of those things that you probably don't notice the first time you see it, but when you go back and see it, uh-huh. Cooper slips. Um, Harry Truman a note and says why don't you investigate this for me which is in the note look at James's bike oh per what Lucy said okay we need to look at James's bike so while I pull James in here you go look at his bike gotcha and that's how Truman goes outside and finds the cocaine in his bike yeah so this is again another great moment though of James helping the police like, he's like, hey, we heard this tape. I think you're going to want to hear this. Yeah. And it's just one of those things that, like... He's trying to do it. He's a good well, yeah, kid. But, like, all the time you see, like, shows where, like, the three kids, like, listen to this tape and they're like, oh, this is... Oh, we got well, all this great information. Well, they try to it. And then they try to, like, ooh, well, we'll figure it out instead of the... Play- just give it to the fucking authorities. Well, and they do what Audrey's trying to do. They don't do what Audrey's trying right. to do, which is like, well, I'm going to catch this guy right. by going undercover in a brothel... Exactly. ...that my dad owns. <laughs> what could Whoops. go wrong there? Um, so, um... So he gives him the tape. You're looking for a guy with a Corvette. And Lucy says she heard a clock striking in the background that sounds like the clock at the park. Cooper instructs Hawk... To set up a perimeter on Easter Park. James approaches Harry and Cooper, asks to talk. James approaches Harry and Cooper asks to talk to James instead. Mm-hmm. Leland enters. That's when he gives him the note. Okay. Leland enters and asks Harry if he found the killer. Hayward, the doctor, tells Leland to go home to Sarah, who's Leland's mm-hmm. wife. Uh, James gives Cooper a copy of the tape and Cooper asks James about Jacoby seeing Laura. Cooper shows James the Ziploc bag of cocaine and asks why it was in his bike. So that's what um, Bobby yeah, Brandt did. Where did Bobby... And it was like a full like sandwich bag of cocaine. It wasn't just I like mean, one of those little ones like you saw was, in her diary. It's a sandwich bag, but it's not. there's not that much in it. Oh, I feel like it when I... It was wrapped in a towel. Oh, I feel like when you put it in, it looked like, like yeah. a softball-sized yeah, thing yeah, of coke. It, it's, it's a Ziploc bag that's rolled up and then wrapped in like a oh, hanky. Okay. Like, I've never done coke before, but I have to imagine... A- That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot, right? Yeah. Um, so, Cooper shows James as the one back. Okay. The, the Icelandic investor, Inar Torsen, prepares to sign... Ba- oh, okay. I had no you idea. You sign first, I sign first. I, okay. 
I after saw, you, I, after me. <laughs> I saw Icelandic, yeah. and I thought it cut to the end when James when when Cooper says like, uh, oh, no. "Okay, the Icelandic investor, Einar Thorson." Yeah, I don't know his name. That's fine. Matter. I'm not Icelandic, not to brag. Uh, prepares to buy, sign Ben's contract in Blackie's office. Hank calls Ben to tell him that Leo Johnson will get a house call, and to black flag the firebug. What is that sentence? Okay. Hank tells Ben to tell him that Leo Johnson will get a heart a house call. So that's Hank telling Ben that he is going to kill Leo Johnson. Yes. Okay. So what is a black flag at the firebug? Or to black flag the firebug? Black flag is death. Okay. What's a f- the firebug is the bug who sets the fire. Oh, the arsonist. That's, that's the arsonist, the Leo. Huh. How did you know that? I just, Put it together? Yeah. I guess you just paid attention. Whoa. Um, yeah, that is a great scene. He's, they each like hold out a pen to the other, and like you go first. No, you go after me. <laughs> yeah. And he, Mikey, commented that Ben Horn, uh, Ben Horn, has a stellar signature, and I think that Mikey has oh, some signature envy. <laughs> oh, for sure. I have, I have lit, like was almost turned away from voting a couple of years ago because my like. I've my signature has never looked the same in his signature any looks two documents like an ever. Eight year old practicing when, when we, signature. When we bought this house, uh-huh. and we had to sign like twenty five different things. Yeah, like I kept handing it to like the the person who was like whatever notarizing it or yeah. whatever, and they were yeah, like, "Are these?" Whew. She literally said, "Like I know this is all you because I can see you signing this." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're like, I just, I, I don't have a consistent. Yeah. Well, signature. that's why I made my signature just a J because. Yeah. But like, God I can't I can do that every time because then like I, they won't let me vote because they'll be like, "What is this <laughs> MG stuff? You had a whole signature here; they don't match." <laughs> oh my God! You're gonna end up fuck in prison because your handwriting is so bad. If I can't vote. Oh, I mean, we're in Illinois. Anyway. It's not that big a deal. Ugh. It is though. It's Everybody should vote. Incredibly big deal. Um, <sighs> yeah, okay. Continue. Uh, Bobby enters the Johnsons' house. Bobby this is enters- a great moment too. Like he opens the door. Leo's hiding yes, behind the yes, door. Yes, yes, yes. Bobby comes in. Shelly, Shelly, and then like Leo's like, Shelly's not. Excuse me, Shelly's not here. And he's like, Oh, but that's fine, Leo. I'm looking for you. Yes. Like total like. Oh. Fuck! Like panic in his eye, like but and like then, oh, the cops are looking for you, man. And he's like, oh, is that right? And then attacks. And then him. Leo goes after Bobby with an axe, an axe or a hatchet. I can't remember. It's a, it's a full axe. Is it a full axe? Yeah. Which is maybe just because I've seen The Shining too many times. For some reason, an axe is a deeply terrifying weapon to me. Well, because it lodges. It like. It just because it's heavy. Yeah. It's it, not like a knife, which like a knife stabs it's you. It's piercing and whatever, but like. If this just rips your entire chest. Oh open. yeah, yeah. Um, and so he like throws Bobby down. He hits the TV. Mm-hmm. He cr- where where <laughs> Invitation to Love is playing. So good. And he rears back to like chop him in half, uh-huh. and then a bullet comes through the window. It's Bob much- Bobby looks up from behind the TV and sees that it's Hank that shoots. He does see him. Leo, uh-huh. yeah, he sees Hank, but Hank does not see that there was somebody else in that room. Oh, okay. So. Which is odd because he's rearing back with an right. axe. Maybe he was just chopping wood in his living room. Exactly. Like people do in the Pacific yeah. Northwest. <laughs> That's literally a joke later. Is there's, it? There's a podcast called Chopping Wood Inside. Wait, what? Yeah. You mean uh, that wasn't an original Jessica no, joke? it was not, unfortunately. I mean, it, it was original, but it was, what is that, what do they call that? Simultaneous. Oh, yeah. Mutual. Yeah. Destruction. Um, <laughs> mutual destruction. <laughs> yep. That's the one. <laughs> Continue. Lateral thinking? No. 
something like that. But so Bobby sees Hank. Hank does not see Bobby. Leo is shot and falls back on the couch. Falls back on the couch. Um, and, and it cuts to Invitational Love, which is our. Um, uh, Where you see the Leo equivalent, it's like the, the, the show leather jacket the guy, show. and he's just like, oh, oh, got shot, and he's like falling back and sliding down the wall all dramatically. Jared and Chess, Chet embrace Chet. each other mm-hmm. on Invitational Love while Montana dies. So it's Montana who dies. Yeah. Make sure you keep that one straight. Um, Shelly struggle. Okay, so then we cut to the um, the Mill. sawmill where Shelly is tied up. So her hands are over her head. So she's tied up by her hands mm-hmm. and around her waist, I think, to the to a pillar of some mm-hmm. sort. And that egg timer is going it's off. Going, yeah. Which I assumed when the egg timer went off, it would explode. But it didn't. It just it's lit a, the fire. It's just a delayed time. Well, that's why he's got all the gas cans. Right. I just, like, I because she was like, you can tell. Because there's no about, explosives. Because it needs to, it needs to look like just a fire. A fire, um, but also the the issue here is that because Leo put Shelly there, uh-huh. now that tipped off Catherine. So instead of Catherine just being in the mill when it all of a sudden goes up in flames, oh, now she's like, "What the fuck? You're tied up here. What's going on? There's a, There's timer a fire. Here. There's a timer. We have to get." So she got warning and a head start gotcha. to potentially get out. Yeah. Um, so she, God, this scene is better uh, than it has. One any of the right greatest lines in the entire series is it? I can't hear you with that thing in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's and so like Shelly, Shelly signed up. Maybe tied not up the best a, line, but the best delivery of a line. Yeah, and she's, she has a bandana like tied up. She's like, I can't hear you with that thing in your mouth. <laughs> I can't understand a word you're saying. You have a thing in your mouth. <laughs> like, like, so almost frustrated with her. That, like, why would you try to talk to me when you have a thing in your mouth? It's like, when, like, it's like that it's scene in West Wing. It's like the scene in West Wing when everybody's like, every stands up when the president comes in and the one woman is sitting down. He's like, <laughs> when the president walks in, nobody sits down, and it's sitting her like, you're gonna stand here when I'm here, and you have a thing in your it's, mouth fucking amazing it's very and good the, the delivery of it is just so taken aback uh, like yeah. how very dare um so shelly struggles in her bonds Catherine approaches with a gun the bomb explodes generous it ignites yeah uh the fire spreads Catherine takes a hatchet which is handily there um cuts shelly it's kind of cool she like cuts the back of the it's like a mm-hmm. square pillar the beam yeah yeah and she she cuts that releases shelly they run out um, God, that fucking scene is so good, though. Just the way she's so angry that she has a thing in her mouth. It's also like it's very—it's a very television fire, though, which is like it's very controlled. Like this square piece falls, right. oh. and like you it's can very see contr- the, you yeah. can see the slices of the roof that it's are very about to controlled, fall in. but like still it's I high mean, stakes. It's yeah, it's it's, but it's still very cool, and like it's an interesting connection of characters that like you never see these two together yeah like why would why would Catherine Martell and Shelly the, Shelly the waitress be in a scene together and like it's a great scene yeah like um a fire alarm goes off in the hospital uh, Leland tapes Jacques to, oh, okay so the fire goes a, off everybody starts a, like they jump to the Leland bit but it's a good reveal you see mm-hmm. a fist a gloved fist break the the 
Can I tell you something I'm kind of proud of? What? So, I, again, I, I have seen this before. I don't remember basically anything from it. They show his silhouette walking down the hallway as everybody's kind of scramming mm-hmm. out because of, there's a fire. And I saw his silhouette. I was like, that's Leland. I recognize yeah. the fucking silhouette. I mean, it's... Can you be impressed with me for a fucking sure. second, I mean, Michael? They, it's not... Whatever. But they also, like, the last thing you see is he says bye to Hayward. who's like, no, I'm going home. And Leland goes, hospital. I don't remember like, that. Like, that's the last thing he says. That's and the next time you see him, he walks in. So, like, it's a reveal, but it's only, like... A 15 second delayed reveal sure. so it's not like it's like who's this, this to gonna me? be oh my god i'm so excited thank you, you. Yeah. i'm so sorry um so yeah so he walks in the hall he tapes up his his, his remaining free arm, hand. his good arm yeah uh, which was cool the way he did it was really cool because he wraps it up and then just leaves that roll of tape on yeah. it he doesn't even rip it i don't know why i thought that was a cool yeah why would you yeah. i mean i guess that also makes it easier to undo oh that's a good point i didn't, think, I didn't even think leave, of like because... the second part um, um, but yeah, and then he smothers shock with smothers, a pillow. Yep. And then a great moment where you see Jacques, the pillow gets removed. You see the flat line. It pans up from Jacques' face up to Leland. Leland's face. And Leland's got this like absolute, like distraught, mm-hmm. weeping mouth turned down. Like, uh-huh. oh my God. Oh my he God. He's like a mask of himself. And then the audio of the alarm stops and he's just ah and just like boom snaps back into like regular face mode and it's terrifying truly Leland is and it's, the most fascinating character in sure, the show for sure he's wonderful but like and the actor is oh Ray Wise is incredible um, but it's a really great scene so you see that and then he breaks into seemingly normal yeah and walks out yeah so good um, yeah, definitely plan a flag there um, for next season when we find out more about Leland. Um, so Ben signs a contract, signs a contract redacted by the Honorable M.J. Caffey Esquire. Redacted? That can't be right. Doesn't matter. The Icelandic invent- investor leaves with the two with two girls, and Ben says, "Oh, it's time to celebrate. This calls for a celebration. Bring me the new girl," which is. Truly one of the most disgusting things about this brothel is not just that, like, uh, listen, I have no problem with sex work, morally speaking, but the way they treat the quote-unquote new girls is fucking gross. Like, it is deeply, deeply, deeply disturbing, especially when we realize that the new girl is Ben's own daughter, which he doesn't know, Yeah, obviously. And you see him walk into her room. Quoting Shakespeare again. Uh, yeah, was it Shakespeare? Yeah, it was Shakespeare, yes. I think. I, I didn't remember what he said. But it I was, um, yeah, go ahead. I can't think of what else. Uh, but he drops a quote, and you kind of hear Audrey gasp a uh-huh. little, but they don't make eye contact. They don't. It wasn't even make eye He's kind of, the door yeah, isn't like the eye hallway, shot. Kind yeah. of, yeah. Like, but they don't, they don't see each other yet. So, so. she knows it's her dad. Yeah. He obviously does not know it's her. And then, and the scene. Yeah, exactly. Um, Oh, it's so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Cooper. Do, do, do. Okay, so Duper. that's the end of that. And then we cut back to the Great Northern. Uh, Cooper walks down the hallway uh, to his room. He's recording with Diane. Can I? Can I just say? <laughs> I sometimes feel really sorry for Diane because Cooper is just doing like 
just like whatever he's thinking about, he's mm-hmm. telling to Diane, like, hey, they're gone. I'm probably not going to use the uh, the earplugs that you sent me, but I'll probably use them just in case. But, you know, like, I'm just imagining his poor secretary or whomever back at, in Virginia or wherever she is, like, Jesus fucking Christ, Cooper, I do not care. Do you can't tell me what that's, you need? Tell that, me what your clues are. That's if Diane is real. And there's that um, whole discussion right. of, is this just him like, like a journal? Like, it's just yeah. kind of a dictaphone that he yeah, yeah, yeah. speaks into to, like, get this thing up. But then he responds to it. Like, I got the earplugs yes, you sent. Yes. So, I mean, is to Diana me, real? I've never doubted that really? Diana's real. Never. I don't I don't think so. Um, and also, I think I have been Diane much more than I've been Cooper. So, I'm more, like, um, sympathetic to her being, like, okay, sure. so I have to, like, and whatever this like, person is saying out. Like, I it's, for, like, not, the- it's not, like, on the internet. So, like, he still has to, like, send her her. the tapes. Why not just, like, like, call her and say, send me some earplugs. Like, all of this stuff is is weird. It's a great narrative device, and I will never take that away. It's a exposition vehicle or whatever is what I was going to say, but yeah, same thing. Um, (laughs) Movies, literature. (laughs) uh, Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, But it's, but it's, it's, I've always found it a fascinating non-character. Oh, character. I think it's a genius thing to do. Yeah. I just once in a while have like a snap in one of like, if Diane is a real character, this poor woman has... But I was just, I always felt like she, if she's real and whatever, is like a fucking court stenographer. And less of a yes. secretary and more of just like... I zone in and just yeah yeah you're probably right and I guess stenographer but the point is like I don't, that means that <laughs> our t- not to be like a weird Republican also but like our tax dollars are paying for this poor woman to just transcribe everything that crosses well, Cooper's like, mind like okay whatever. I guess I'm talking about fucking trees now cool <laughs> yeah. oh I have to do I have to transcribe what the Norwegians are singing right now is that part of my job yeah but I mean it's also just like a full on assistant yeah like, that's I know what they it's do. just like it's just one of those things yeah. that I just. I she, relate when, too hard to the working says, class person. When he says, I spent six ninety one at the Lamplighter Inn on the way in, okay, well, get the fucking expense but report then, out. But you then know? she has to listen to 25 minutes of dialogue to be like, okay, 621 at the Lamplighter Inn. All right, that's here's, the one thing I need. Here's the thing about that. Yeah. You know, you know people love listening to Cooper talk about that huh. to the point where they sold it as a tape. They sure did. Of all of the Diane recordings in their entirety, and I have it. And it's. Do you have it on cassette? Yeah. Do we have a cassette the, player? That's why we have that cassette player. Because we oh, bought it for the Twin Peaks right. party so that and I can have that playing, playing in the background. Remember how afraid of that thing Dottie was? No. Dottie was. Oh, so uh, when we had our Twin Peaks party for the premiere of the season three, yeah. Um, that would have been what, June, July? It was May 2017. Oh, May 2017. So we had had Dottie for a month. So she was like a five-month-old puppy. And Mikey got this record, this tape recorder from the Goodwill near us and put it down just like in a corner. It's a tape recorder. It's nothing. Put it down in the corner. And Daddy was like, no, no, no. Fuck this noise. I don't noise. understand why and people are like talking out of a it. a 25-pound puppy huh. just barking nonsense. I don't, I can't I don't even remember, remember that. that. No. That's funny. Anyway. Um, wow. Big sidetrack. Um, so <laughs> Cooper walks down the hallway. <laughs> his room making a recording for diane noting that the icelanders were gone uh he phones the hotel he he said he had phoned the hotel staff for a glass of milk which is so fucking wholesome i can't stand it like 
Just give him two fingers of whiskey. <laughs> and, well, warm milk to help him sleep. No, I understand. That's but his. That's what it, children get. And adults. That, that plays into the next episode really well, too, which yeah. I love. And like, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and finds Audrey's note on the floor. What is the? Um, we don't technically know it's Audrey's yet. It just finds an envelope that says, my special agent. Which, uh, yeah, it's pretty. narrows it's, the pool It's pretty obvious, but we don't technically know that yet. Um, and he gets a call from Andy, who's trying to tell him that Jacques has been killed. Uh-huh. So you hear him on the phone like, Cooper, 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 uh-huh. as he goes to the door, which he thinks he's getting. So he's note. in the room, closes the door, yeah. call, calls Andy or Andy calls him? It, the phone rings. He phone rings, up. picks it up. And as Andy's talking to him, the, there's a knock on the door. He turns around, opens the door. We see a close-up of a barrel of a gun. Mm-hmm. Boop, boop, boop. I don't know why that was the sound that came out of me. <laughs> boop, boop. <laughs> bing, bang, boom. You're fired, Ed. Um, three shots. Three shots. You just see, like at the you beginning. You see a, also a full frame shot of Cooper's chest and three boop, three boop, shots yeah. hit him in the chest so you know they like didn't miss or whatever. And, and then credits and they even drop like so. So that's the end of first season. Yeah. So this episode was... Written, shot, edited, created before they knew if they were getting picked up for a second season. Which is such a ballsy note to end on. But it's also like the reason everything, every single character's story ends in a really dramatic cliffhanger. They were begging to get picked back up they even put a title card at the end of the episode that says to be continued they sure did they were all in on we're gonna throw everything at you you're gonna demand you're gonna pick it your local studio if you drop this and you don't pick us up for a second season people are going to be livid yeah and you will not hear the end of it yeah and they guaranteed a second season and and obviously it got picked up for one um, but I mean, the summary, they, um, Jacoby gets attacked. He's in the hospital. He's got a heart attack. Nadine tries to kill herself. Is she alive? Lucy's pregnant. Yes. Um, Jacques gets killed. Mm-hmm. Leland Coop- kills Jacques. Leland killed Jacques. Uh, Cooper's been shot. Mm-hmm. Um, God, what else? Like everything. Uh, you said, did you say that? Uh, the whole mill thing. Like Catherine and we don't know if Catherine and Shelley got out of the mill. Yeah. Pete goes into the mill uh-huh. to look for Catherine. Leo's been. There's shot. three people now in the mill. Leo's been shot by Hank. Everything mm-hmm. is a cliffhanger. Yeah. And it's this was not a mistake. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like it was. It they knew exactly what they were doing, yeah. and they were. Like, it's 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 like a it's like two poker players going head to head, and you've got a mediocre hand, but you think you're winning, and you're like, "Fuck it, I am all in on a mediocre hand because if this doesn't uh, work, then that's then the fuck game it, anyway. yeah, like it's, I'm not coming back. From yeah, this. exactly, and it's just everything out there. We'll see what's, and then some of it gets wrapped up really well. Some of it is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is the thing. Like, with this honestly, show. like, for example, you've seen this before a couple of times, two, three times, whatever. Yeah. 
I would wager anything that you don't remember who shot Cooper. And that's a pretty fucking big cliffhanger. Do you know what I mean? I do. I'm thinking really hard to see if I can Exactly. Remember. But you don't know offhand. Yeah. You know long-term who killed Laura Palmer or whatever. Yeah. Those big stories, you don't remember who killed Cooper. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, that tells you how much they were planning on shooting Cooper. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, like yeah, that yeah. wasn't an intent. That was very much because, a fucking who shot JR cliffhanger. That's a very good point because even if all of those other things had been cliffhangers, those are all secondary or tertiary characters. Right. So like, I don't care if Leo survives or not. You know, I don't care what happens to him. I care what happens to Cooper. Right. And who shot him. And I right. care about Leland, I guess. I don't care that Jacques is dead, but I care that Leland it, is the one to kill and him. And it was, it's also the antithesis because everybody in 1991 or whatever went into this with, it's the season finale. We're going to find out who killed Laura Palmer. That's the mystery on everybody's mm-hmm. mind. We all want to know. And they know we're not going to tell you. Yeah. I think that's. But we're going to let, we're going to open up all these other doors. Yeah. So that you'll be interested to come back. Well, and I think that's why when we sat down to watch this, I was like, I don't really remember anything that happens in this episode because nothing, not to say nothing happened, like a lot happens in this episode, but nothing that is impactful for the I mean, long term yes necessarily. No. But yeah. But I in know, terms of our big plot lines, who shot, who shot um, Laura Palmer? We don't, we're not anywhere closer to that. The biggest... The biggest plot line with the best payoff as far as story goes is Audrey and Ben Horn. Yeah. I think that that whole sequence, Audrey being in over her head at mm-hmm. one at Jack's is a great storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, they work with what they've got in Cooper, but the actual, like, who pulled the trigger is under underwhelming or mm-hmm. under well it ends up not being important yeah long yeah in the long it was, run it doesn't really matter it, which is it's which is sad yeah it's a little bit short I, I think the show at large suffers for the fact that this finale didn't really tie up any loose ends it asked more questions than it answered but didn't ask questions that were ultimately super interesting but it did what it had to do to get it the second season right and so it it was successful in that right. If they knew that they were going to get two seasons, this 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 episode would have been I think completely different. Really and truly, they were hoping that they would know before they shot this right. last episode, which, which is, is why they put this episode out. Yeah, and listen, I don't know anything about the television, like the mm. the uh, professional side of television, but it seems like as a creative capital A, capital C. It is a wild way to try to tell a story to be like, well, is this the end or not? Like, how the fuck is somebody supposed to tell this story? Yeah, that's why you got like so many shows with the, like, that's part of the genius, in my opinion, of the season two finale, which Uh was the end of the show for 27 years or whatever. It is finality and conclusion mm-hmm. and, and all of that with a cliffhanger. Yeah. And I love that about it. Like, I wouldn't even call it a cliffhanger. I would just call it like a question mark. 
Yeah, but it's not it's, like oh, what t- it's not like who shot Jr. It's more like what the fuck was that? Yeah, I I mean I think there's definitely a like without getting into it, but I think there's definitely like I need to know what's happening there. Mm-hmm. Cliffhanger to it, but like at the same time, I love that ongoing question. Sure, and and so I think they did a great job with that. Whereas this season had it ended here. Mm-hmm. I don't know that this show would have had any lasting power. Oh, I don't think so. And like, it's funny because I think the first season is objectively better than the second season when taken as a whole sure. chunk. Sure. But so much more action happens in the second season. And and, and, and it's just interwoven with garbage. I think I think people forget like the problem is that season two has this stigma about it that like, oh fucking season two. Yeah. But really and truly, there's well, so many four things. to six episodes of season two that are not good. Yeah, and, and the rest of it is really good. I feel like and, so many of the most iconic moments are from the second there's, season. Yeah, there's some X, like especially the first mm-hmm. nine episodes. So good. First nine. I'm like excited to watch it. Are incredible. Yeah. Um, and then and then that's when they started getting into, um. Mark Frost went off to do a feature. I can't remember what it was now. David Lynch was doing Wild at Heart. Mm-hmm. And all of these other collaborators came in to help do things. And you ended up with... Storyville? Yeah. Four or five subplots uh-huh. that are just awful. Yes. There's... Yes. And we've talked about that. Yeah. That it's like just people... Or American Chronicles? I don't know what that is. On the air... This is just Mark Frost's. On the air was the David Lynch, Mark Frost TV collaboration after Twin Peaks. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. That was very short-lived. It didn't even make it through the first season. It was like a bizarre behind-the-scenes of a TV show thing with the guy who plays Dick Tremaine. Really? It's it's really, really hard to find. Seven episodes, four unaired. I've never even seen it. Angela Badalamenti was attached to it. Yeah, it's a lot of the same crew. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I've never actually even seen it because it's really hard to get a hold of. Yeah, I don't recognize any of the actors either. Uh, it's a sitcom? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a it's like super quirky and It feels like kind of what um Sports Night was trying yeah, to be. Yeah, it's it's very, very comparable but like, actually. But like the David Lynch Mark Frost version. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, hey guys, if you're listening to this, thank you for you know, hanging out with us through the first season. Are we just going to come back with season two next week, or are we going to... I think so. Yeah, I mean, unless you want to have some kind of... I don't know know about any bonus episode or something about discussing season one as a whole. Maybe I'll talk to my sister and see if they want to join in again, or... Yeah, we'll figure something out. Or we can talk about... eh, It doesn't matter. We'll figure it out off-air, where normal things are figured out. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think this... Overall, this episode, though, is... It's a good episode. It's written really well. The mm-hmm. stuff that they chose to do. It's a shame that they had to do uh-huh. the stuff they had to do. It, it, yes. I think it's I as think good the last as it could episode, be in the situation yeah, that it was. I think the episode before, which is why I'm glad Mark Frost had his hands on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the season, or the episode before, I think, is great. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Um, but then season two kicks off as... A feature-length opening episode. Oh, is it? 
Uh, I mean, it's TV feature length, so it's sure. hundred and or it's an hour and twenty minutes yeah. or something. Um, directed by David Lynch, and mm-hmm. it's incredible. The okay. the pilot is of the, the season or the premiere of the premiere. second episode, uh, second season is yeah. wonderful. Well, cool. All right, everybody, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Bloomke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Foraker Creative. You can follow them at Foraker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week. <laughs>